Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Sunday afternoon, listening Monday morning. And we are here to talk about, well, Michigan State football. We got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline here. We got a commitment to announce. We got some guys who announced they're coming back for next season. We've got a mailbag. We've got a junior day coming up with some recruits that are uh, coming on campus. Lots of stuff to get to. So, Scott, I ask you here on a Sunday afternoon, how are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, tomorrow, I'm starting a health challenge. It's Ooh. January. Yeah, I know. It feels really cliche, but also it's really necessary. So I'm trying to enjoy like my last day. When the folks listen to this on Monday, just know I'm out there suffering somewhere. So just, you know eat a burrito for me or something. So we're right there with you. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we were doing like a weekly, like weekday diet, basically where we're getting the pre-made meals sent to us, controlled calories and everything. And we're taking it a little bit looser on the weekends to allow us a little bit of, uh, enjoyment in our lives. But last week was brutal, man. So I, I wish you luck moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, it's that time of year, and uh, there's nothing to do. It's dark all the time. It's starting to get a little lighter, but it's still, by the time I finish my real job, it's dark. Uh, so hang in there, folks. If you're halfway through a, a monthly health challenge or whatever it is you do, keep going. I'm, I'm going to be right there with you by the time you hear this. So I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that time of the year, I guess, but... Here Sunday, uh, I'm currently trying to figure out all of the NFL playoff scenarios that are currently dizzying my head. Luckily, as a Lions fan, we don't have to worry about any of that. We've, uh, you know, pretty much banished that from our minds for a few years now, which is kind of nice. Uh, we're really only worried about the the draft pick scenarios, which uh, we have lost the number one pick with a win against the Green Bay Packers, which as a Lions fan, it's always nice to beat the Packers, but uh, losing out on that number one pick is certainly not the best of scenarios. But like we mentioned uh, previously, the Lions will always find a way to screw you over. If you want the number one pick, too bad. If you want to win games, too bad. We'll find a way to screw you both ways. Hey, I'll always take it. I think 
beating the Packers on the last game of the year in Ford Field. It's a it's a good positive note to end the season on. In this draft specifically, I'm not sure there's a holy grail number one guy that you're desperate to get. So, I, I mean, we got Panay Sewell, who's worked out tremendously for, what was he, seventh or eighth overall? Um, so, I like it. I like beating the Packers. Yeah, there's this Kayvon Thibodeau kid from Oregon, the pass rusher, who's really impressive. But I don't know. I I don't really think he's a Miles Garrett, you know, kind of dominating guy at the same note. So I don't know. We'll we'll take whatever slot we get and try to find a player. Yeah, but the Lions season's over. Tonight, for the folks listening, Monday night, we have the last college football game of the year. Um, I guess, Kevin, I think we gave our predictions last episode, right? But any last thoughts? I still haven't. uh, Yeah, I still haven't made my pick. I still haven't placed my bet. Uh, The only thing right now is I have a prop bet of uh, Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, Georgia running back James Cook, and Alabama receiver Ja'Cory Brooks all to have touchdowns and it it pays out pretty handsomely so that was just kind of a long shot for fun player prop um I I still I'm doing it I I'm leaning towards Georgia I I can't get this revenge game thing out of my head and uh I know how dumb it is but I I think I'm going with Georgia I think that's my official bet I I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but I'm more than willing to dance on your grave for the entire offseason. You know it's going to happen. I need to learn my lesson somehow. I'm going to come on on our next episode, and I'm going to say, Kevin, any any thoughts on the game, (laughs) on what happened to Georgia? Um, But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, No, I I need to learn my lesson eventually, so – if I bet on Georgia and Alabama wins, I need you to to do some grave dancing so that I need to learn it somehow. Cause I keep doing this. I keep talking myself into stupid bets and losing all of the money that I worked so hard to get throughout the course of the season. It's just dumb. I need to stop. You just mentioned in our last episode or, or two episodes ago, I don't remember when um, that, the next time anything's going to happen in college football is when Nick Saban retires. So if that says anything about I Nick know. Saban, you should probably push your money towards that end of the table. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. If you're looking to bet on that uh, college national championship uh, and especially moving forward here in the NFL for NFL fans out there, we got a special promotion from our friends at DraftKings for the playoffs NFL playoffs are here, and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If the sportsbook isn't official, uh, isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot, millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. 
Bet just $5 to win $280 in free bets if your team wins. Promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Lots of news to get to here with Michigan State. Scott, I think I, I cut you off for, for a half a, a beat there, but we will start with the announcement that came through today, right before we started recording. So good timing from our friend here, Jeremy. If you want to hit on this wide receiver commitment to Michigan State, adding to this 2022 class, you can go ahead. Jeremy Bernard. If I say Jeremy Brown, I'm, I apologize. I said it twice before we started recording. I don't, I don't know why. I Is Jeremy know Brown Jeremy a person? Brown. Like you, you Is said there like that a Jeremy times. Brown or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just that's it, my brain is determined. Is willingness to happen? But Jeremy Bernard, wide receiver, out of Henderson, Nevada, Liberty High School, which is where Kate and Hauser previously transferred away from. So these two guys at least played their sophomore year together. Um, not exactly clear how much more than that they played together, but nonetheless, they played some AAU stuff like back in the day, but best friends, apparently. So Jeremy Bernard committed, apparently he's already on campus living with Kate Hauser, like moved in is what the rumors are. Um, I don't know how they made it happen that fast, but he wanted to enroll early. So he's over there 220th, on the 247 sports composite. So very talented kid, very athletic, kind of prototype size six to 195 fast. He's not just a speed guy, not just a tall guy, not just a anything. He's just a very, looks like a very well-rounded, well-built wide receiver. Um, exciting. I mean, technically the third highest ranked recruit in our class behind Alex Van Summer and Kate Hauser. Exciting recruit that wide receiver room just keeps getting more pressurized, uh, which is another conversation. But Kevin, thoughts on Jeremy? The comp that I thought of uh, that uh, the slightly older, I don't want to say older MSU crowd will remember, but it reminds me of Blair White in the way that he's uh, he's kind of that prototype size, 6'2", 200, give or take. He's got all the speed in the world, whether you use that, you know, just stretching the field vertically or, you know, we all remember that catch against Michigan in the big house where he caught a slant, took it 60 plus yards to the house. He can do something after the catch. He's a good route runner. He's a good vertical threat, just a complete athlete at that size, at that position reminded me a lot of Blair white watching him. So for those who haven't, checked out Jeremy Bernard's uh, tape. I, I want to know what you think about that comp too. So feel free to DM or, or comment me um, in our Facebook group or on Twitter or whatever. If you think I'm way off on that, or if you think I nailed it, but yeah, Blair white came to mind Yeah, good athlete, really good in space. You know, they used him at running back. They used him at wildcat quarterback at wide receiver. He was playing safety and he was making plays all over the field, punt returning, kick returning, you name it. So really exciting addition to the class and really exciting for Courtney Hawkins, who we talked about, you know, when we hired him, it was 
let's let's say it for what it is. It was a shot in the dark. He had never coached college football before. It was a guy who played at Michigan State, who played in the NFL, but spent, I think it was 14 years at Flint Beecher as the athletic director and head football coach. And whether it was Mel Tucker just reaching out to him, whether it was him reaching out to Mel Tucker, somehow these two found each other. And he got brought on to coach the wide receivers at Michigan State. And since then, I mean, it's it's obvious. Look at the development of the players on the roster. Look at how Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed have taken that next step in their games. Look at how consistent Trey Mosley has been. Look at how Montori Foster has carved out a role. And look at the recruiting at the wide receiver position. This guy has been an unbelievable hire since day one his first college coaching gig. Uh, so awesome, awesome job by Courtney Hawkins. He just continues to impress. Yeah, on 247, he's listed and as the primary recruiter on five guys, all going to sound familiar, Jeremy Bernard, Antonio Gates, Keon Coleman, Tyrell Henry, and Jaden Mangum's thrown in there as well. He'll probably play safety. Well, we don't know, actually. Of all the two-way players we brought in this year, Mangum's probably the biggest uh, question mark. But um, – we think safety. So nonetheless, Courtney Hawkins, great recruiter. The players seem to love him. He has the NFL pedigree. He, he knows how high school football works. I'm sure you can relate to these kids really well, uh, clearly. So, and an in-state guy, right? So it's, you know, we think about obviously anybody from Flint will, you know, recognize and, and appreciate and respect that name, but it's guys from Detroit, Grand Rapids, Lansing area. Like everybody can relate to Courtney Hawkins being an in-state guy. So it's not just the Flint roots. It's the state of Michigan roots and it's already paying dividends. So if that is the last recruit, we don't know if this is the last recruit in the 22 class. Uh, there's the February period. I, I, It's probably not, but if it were to end today, I think with the addition of Jeremy Bernard, we would move up to 17th, just ahead of Indiana. If you care about the ins and outs of recruiting rankings, and I think fourth in the Big Ten. So Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, all in the top 10 of this class right now. Um, first season, first full recruiting cycle with on-campus ability, top 20, off to a great start. Yeah, and beyond that, so the that commitment was obviously huge. Again, a guy that's going to come in, enroll early, well, is already enrolled, joining a pretty healthy group of, of early enrollees, I feel like, compared to normal. I, I'll have to do the research on that and compare the numbers year after year, but it feels like we have more than, than typically do uh, this year. Other news on the roster, we have three guys that have officially announced that they're coming back. Uh, one of them, a little bit of a surprise. One of them was just a giant question mark. And one of them, I, I think most Michigan state fans were kind of expecting to come back. You have starting offensive lineman, Jarrett Horst. You have starting safety, Xavier Henderson, and you have starting corner, Ronald Williams. Of those three guys, Scott, are there any that were surprising for you? And of those three, if you had to choose only one, which are you most excited about coming back? Like if, if you were given the list of these three guys and said, all right, you can only pick one to come back, uh, which one would you have chosen and why? 
So Xavier Henderson's in a really well-stocked cabinet, if you could say. Uh, the safety position is full and growing with athletes throughout the pipeline. Horse and Williams, both in thin groups. Our tackles are thin. Our corners are thin. That said, Horst and Williams came in for their first year last year, still kind of probably getting used to things around East Lansing. Xavier Henderson's been in East Lansing for four years. Um, he was a captain every game this year. He was the only, I guess you could say, full season captain on this team. He was the captain of this team, and we're bringing him back. So even though from a talent perspective, from a backfilling perspective, we probably could have afforded to lose X. I think his talent as a leader and his leadership and his captaincy and this team is, is extremely important just to keep kind of a steady foundation to this culture and guide all these new guys as they get integrated into this defense. Yeah. It's when you think about Xavier Henderson coming back, it's not just Xavier Henderson and the defensive backfield who's getting impacted by that. Right. Mel Tucker has talked about before the best situation as a coach is you have a player led team, not a coach led team, because a coach can only say so much when the players are leading from within. That means a whole lot more to the other players on the roster. So Henderson is huge coming back. You can't overstate that impact of that kind of leader. You know, when I kind of said there's, there's three guys coming back, I think the one that was a total question mark was Jarrett Horst because it, it, there was just a lot of uncertainty around him and, and his position and where he was at mentally uh, in, in terms of coming back, playing football and all of that. Uh, Xavier Henderson, I think, was a little bit of a surprise, but you know we were kind of reading the tea leaves. He wasn't announced as like a senior day guy in the Penn State game, and we were kind of speculating on that for a while. Ronald Williams, I don't really think, knowing that he had another year of eligibility, I don't really think anybody was expecting him to go. But it's really exciting to have him come back. I think that I've seen, I've seen some stuff on Twitter on both sides that, uh, number one, he was a lockdown corner. Teams didn't throw his way, you know. I think that's a bit overstated. I, I was I was actually going back and basically watching this entire year over again over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I put out some highlight tapes of Jacob Slade and Jaden Reed. I was pulling from from previous games. Ronald Williams was an up and down player. He played really well at times, and he got beat individually one on one many times this year. So another year of starting. I think is going to be really good for him. You remember like coming from Alabama. I mean, he was a guy who hadn't really played in a few years going into this season. So, you know, just kind of getting his feet under him this year, he could be a big impact next year. But to answer my own question, if I had to pick just one of these guys to come back, man, Jarrett Horst coming back at left tackle is huge because we come back now with, I think four out of five of the starting offensive linemen kind of secured, feeling pretty good about. I, I don't think we're we're sold that this is going to be a top half of the Big Ten offensive line yet, but that makes a huge difference because without Horst, you're left with a giant question mark at left tackle, and that's not the spot that you want a giant question mark at. So Horst coming back, sure, in that spot up. 
uh, I think is, is massive and, and can't be overstated as well. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's huge. We're going to need it. We talked extensively about the offensive line a couple episodes ago when we brought that up that what horse decides is going to dramatically change the needs of this entire football team this off season. So um, it's huge. And it gives the, the younger guys behind him some time to come along without so much pressure, um, continue to compete internally, if you will. But yeah, we need, I mean, <laughs> we need guys on the offensive line to get reps, but they don't need to be first team. Uh, you know, we don't need to get our twos and threes in there for really meaningful reps. So having, an older experienced senior like that. He may not be any better than he was this year, but you know what? He was at minimum serviceable. He was an honorable all big 10 player. Um, same thing with um, Ronald Williams. He may not be better than what we saw this year, but he was out there and we won 11 games this year. Um, so he's at least an 11 win corner. Uh, and he, like you said, the more experience he gets, theoretically, he should only continue to improve. Yeah, so exciting stuff on the roster front. Uh, last bit of news here before we get into some good mailbag questions is something to just keep an eye on uh, for Michigan State football fans. January 15th, that's, uh, let's see, this coming weekend, I believe. You have uh, MSU Junior Day. And it's, it's basically an opportunity for a lot of the underclassmen recruits, 2023 guys, to come on campus, 2024 guys, I guess, as well, uh, to, to come on campus and, you know, meet with the coaches, go through some drills, you know, probably some athletic testing kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's basically a meet and greet kind of thing, I think, relationship building for the coaches and these recruits, there are a bunch of really high profile names. I don't want to list them all off. I know there's a, a running back four-star running back out of Texas who has some crystal balls pointed towards MSU. So that's a name to keep an eye on. Um, there's a lot of guys that are going to be there. So just keep an eye out next weekend. There's probably going to be some articles, some things popping out. There could be a commitment or two popping out. I, I have no idea. But it's a date to keep in mind recruiting wise for the 2023 class as we start to build, you know, those guys moving forward as we're kind of turning the page here very soon, signing day coming up in about a month to, to wrap up the 22 class. So a date to keep an eye on next weekend there. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to dive too deep into that. We'll, we'll see what news comes out of it afterwards more than anything. So let's get to the mailbag. We got some really good questions here, some on Twitter, some on Facebook. Again, a reminder, uh, the links are in the notes to this episode to follow us on Twitter, to follow the Facebook page, uh, Standing Room Spartans Community on Facebook. And we put out the mailbag call here today. We got some good questions. So Scott, I want to start there. We just kind of talked about you know some new guys coming in 2022 class. Benjamin Hunt, our guy at B Hunt 31. He asked, What new player, freshman or transfer, do you guess will make the biggest splash in 2022? Okay. Um, Well, I think I'm going to go with the transfer because they're going to play a little bit more likely in most scenarios. 
Um, and I'm between two guys. So I have I one Jacoby. clear answer. So I love Jacoby Winman's tape. I think he's going to be on the field more than he's not on the field. I think he's probably going to be a starting linebacker. I think he's going to make a ton of plays. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But running back is such an important role, and it's such yeah. an empty role right now. Uh, Berger coming in, he's. I think if he is what I think he is, he has the potential to be more on the workhorse side than any kind of committee situation looking at the room that we have here. So I think he's just going to get enough touches that that's the right answer here. Yeah, that, w- that was my as well. I said I had a clear answer. Jalen Berger, he came in as a true freshman at Wisconsin and ran for five yards a carry over 300 yards in a shortened season. You know, you remember he only played four games, a couple touchdowns, and I think he's got a ton of talent. I, I love the way that he plays. I think he's going to come on and take a three-down role, uh, especially, I mean, Look at the Peach Bowl, man. Like our running backs right now, let's face it, are not that good. And I think Jalen Berger, the day he walks on the campus, is the best running back on the team. So just from a role perspective, if we're talking about who's going to make the biggest splash, I think the guy who's the starting running back and very clearly taking a, a huge chunk of the workload is probably going to be that guy. Um, moving on here, we got Mayoneg is uh, uh we'll we'll wrap this up pretty quickly i think but he said ronald williams announcing his return was good but confusing news because he is not yet draft material and has already transferred once what was the issue there uh i don't think there was an issue i, I think that's a weird way to phrase it to be honest but um i guess if if you're looking for like why was it news that he was returning um I don't know. Like he's, it's, it's a pretty good player that is going to come back and play this year. I think he's probably going to be a starter next year. So I think it's, it's definitely relevant news. And I think it's, it's okay for Michigan state fans to be excited about it. So uh, in that note, I don't know, it's kind of a odd question uh, the way it was worded. I don't know if, if you want to uh, DM me and clarify if I'm mistaking this, but uh, that's kind of my read on it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, not too much to add, really. Uh, <laughs> we love having talent, so we'll take it. All right, so one that we could dig our teeth into a little bit here. Uh, Brendan on Twitter, at It's Brendan, bitch. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, if we don't get additional commits or transfers, who do you anticipate starts aside Reed? And he said likely Foster. And then uh, the doc corrected him and, and mentioned that he might be forgetting Mosley. And, and he said, oh, yeah. So basically, who starts at receiver next year? Jane Reed, obviously. Um, Trey Mosley was competing against all these guys and was a starter. So I'm going to say Trey Mosley. And then you've got the open slot slash field extender position. Um Montori Foster again was competing against all these guys and, and won that spot. So 
I think there's going to be a lot of competition in that room this spring, but as it stands today, I'm going to say Montori Foster because everyone else had the same opportunity to seize that position other than the freshmen. And we do have some really talented freshmen, but I think in this wide receiver room, we are not forced to play a true freshman as a starter early in the season. If one takes the job midway through the year because he's that good, fine. But I think we're probably going to see somebody like Montori Foster, somebody, um, the coaching staff is comfortable with uh, with a room like this. I just don't think you need to force a freshman's hand. Yeah, I'll you know I'll take my shot here and say Keon Coleman could crack that lineup right with you know instead of a Montori Foster who I think has shown plenty of potential. I, it, both of these guys are really high upside players uh, between Foster and Keon Coleman. I think we're pretty safe in assuming Reed and. Uh, Reed and Mosley. I'm so used to saying Reed and Naylor together. I'm I'm pretty confident in saying Reed and Mosley will be two of the three guys that are out there in a, a three wide receiver set. But I'll take a shot. I'll say Keon Coleman's in that third spot. But there's plenty of competition for it. Whether it's one of these freshmen coming in, whether it's you know Coleman Foster. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of competition in that room. Similar, a couple episodes we were talking about the safeties and kind of being a fly on the wall in the, in those practices and those one-on-one drills and, and just the competition that's trying to get on the field, those wide receiver practices, uh, those got to be really intense, man. Yeah, this is one of those situations, especially with all the really young, exciting recruits that we haven't even seen yet, where, there's so much talent that someone's going to be left disappointed because there's so many fans falling in love with each of these different wide receivers and, you know, high profile talent we're getting now. Some of these guys will probably never see the field because there's just not enough room to get them snaps um, in game, but that's a great problem to have. Um, Kevin, if you had Coleman, I mean, I'm just thinking Coleman and Mosley both seem more outside receiver to me. But then Reed, we love to line up one-on-one on the outside. So where do you put those three guys on the field? Mosley played a good chunk of his reps this year in the slot. And, you know, part of that is just maybe because of Reed and Naylor being kind of outside perimeter field stretching guys. Uh, but I think that role fit really well with Mosley. I think he's a good route runner from the slot. Um I was putting together a little highlight tape on him this year and, and yeah, it seemed like most of his reps were coming from the slot and he, he has a really good feel in the middle of the field, right. Where, where he's kind of finding that soft spot uh, in, in front of the linebackers or, you know, he can beat a linebacker to the sideline or a safety to the sideline. And I think he would be really good in that slot if we just kept him there. So if you had Reed and Keon Coleman on the outside and Trey Mosley in the slot, I think that that gives us our best three and, and three guys that I think fit really well in their roles. Let's see it. I like it. So one uh, question here from, well, three questions here from Spartan bot Spartan one, eight, seven, seven, zero. His first name, the top three O-linemen in the portal today and odds of us landing one of them. Um, you know, I was just kind of digging through the portal a lot. Basically, all of the top offensive linemen portal guys are taken, are accounted for. Now, 
the one guy I, I if we want to throw out a name, the one guy that's gotten some buzz is Hunter Norzad from Cornell. He hasn't announced a commitment anywhere. Um, I know for a fact that Michigan State has offered him. He was an all-league guy at Cornell, and, and his tape is really impressive. 6'4", 300 pounds, interior offensive lineman. He's, he's going to play guard somewhere. Um, that's like if you want a name, that's a guy to keep an eye on. But when you dig through the portal, I mean, it's the top guys that are available. They don't really have any ties to Michigan State or the coaching staff. It's hard to find guys who were – you know, oh, this guy was recruited by Mel Tucker at Colorado or what, like there just isn't a whole lot of that. So if I were to name names, it would be taking a total shot in the dark, uh, except for again, Hunter Norzad from Cornell, who is a guy to keep an eye on. But other than that, I don't know. I I mean, we, we kind of talked about needing portal offensive linemen. Um, Scott, if I gave you the option today and we said we can get a day one starting caliber guy let's i'm going to say we're going to get a guy today that will be a 2022 you know all big 10 third team performer like just a really solid guy and you can get a tackle or you can get a guard which one are you taking well we have that wide open guard spot um how old is this potential say he's got two years of eligibility all right. Um, so you get a year. Mm. <laughs> Probably the guard because we need guard play this year. I like tackles because I think it's harder to find a really good tackle than it is to find an interior offensive lineman. But if he's like ready to play at an all Big Ten level, I mean, we're not going to have that. I, I never say never but I'd be pretty darn surprised if somebody showed up on our current roster in that open guard spot and played all big 10 level this year. So if we're talking this year, two years left, if it was like three years, maybe I'd take a tackle. Um, but two years, you need them to be making a big splash this season. So I'll take the guard. Yeah. That's what makes it tricky. I think, you know, tackle is definitely a more valuable position, but that guard spot is wide open right now and we desperately need someone to fill it. So yeah, keep an eye on the portal. Uh, you know, I'm sure some names will pop up here and there and we definitely need an offensive lineman. So from Spartan bot again, how soon before schools ditch the NIL facade and outright pay five stars to commit? Um, this is happening, right? <laughs> this, I, I don't, I, I'm not I don't sure. Know if, I don't know if the question any... is like, when is it just going to be out in the open that it's very, you know, just declared, Hey, Alabama is paying this guy $500,000 or whatever. That'll probably never happen, but it's happening. Right. Right. The reality is like, nobody really has an incentive to change where we're at right now because the players are getting their money. The teams are getting their players. The NIL boosters are getting their attention Attention. sponsorships (laughs) whatever involvement feeling relevant in the whole way things work and like the governing bodies can technically say well they're still amateurs and it's all legal and the ncaa gets to protect its amateurism facade so i don't really think anybody's very motivated to change the way things are now and nick saban brought up kind of the deregulated aspect i do think that'll change um 
But the problem is you need Congress to change that. And it takes forever and a half for Congress to do anything, especially something related to college football players getting paid doesn't exactly always make it to the top of the, uh, you know, the government's docket. So I think we'll be in this system for a good little while, maybe some tinkering, you know, as we go, but I don't think things are going to change very quickly. Yeah. There, those Nick Saban comments were interesting of basically saying, you know, Hey, be careful what you wish for uh, with this NIL stuff and it needs to be regulated or else it will change the power dynamic and there were a lot of people on, on social media, basically like, well, he's just scared. He's going to lose out on his power. I don't think that's it. I think that's a, basically a warning across the bow of Nick Saban, just being like, Hey guys, you got one chance to fix this or else I'm going to use it. And I'm really going to use it. There was somebody who mentioned like with Nick Saban, just as an example, that he owns multiple Mercedes dealerships in Alabama. So again, with this all being basically the wild west and completely unregulated, Nick Saban as Mercedes-Benz Birmingham owner, in theory, could go to five-star recruit and say, hey, as the owner of this car dealership, I'm happy to, to promote, you know, you, it's, a, it's the wild west. And you know that if anybody's going to take advantage of it, it's going to be Nick Saban. So um, I don't know, like, like you said, it's going to take a long time for this to change, but um, it's happening, right? Schools out quote unquote, outright paying a five-star to commit that's happening. Deion Sanders has landed two five-stars to Jackson state. It's happening. Um, the Especially last, because I yeah. think now the school's, it's tricky, but I think schools are allowed to have some kind of involvement in making the arrangements too. So, I mean, there's an awfully murky gray area between like a school moderating an agreement between a player and an endorser and a school bringing in their favorite buddy, buddy booster company and sitting them at the same table as a recruit they want. I mean, there's not a huge difference there. So yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a mess. They're going to tinker when they have time, um, and it'll be a discussion until then. But I don't know. I You really think the Alabamas, the Clemsons, et cetera, are going to lose any power ever? It's been this way for the last 100 years. Right. Um, the last comment for the last question from Spartan Bot, with all of Michigan's D-line and secondary leaving, what's our chances for another win over them next year? Uh, we're playing this game in Ann Arbor next year. You'll, you're going to see East Lansing on the schedules until it's officially changed, but it, it is changed to Ann Arbor. But I saw, was it Joel Klatt? He put out his way too early 20 top 20 uh, top teams for 2022 and it's Joel Klatt. So this surprises literally nobody, but Michigan was in the top five or six. And it, it was just an immediate, I hadn't even looked at this question from SpartanBot yet. And I'm like, they're losing everybody, right? Like they're losing their, both of their pass rushers. They're losing their uh, best linebacker, Ross. They're losing half of their secondary, if not all of their secondary. I know they've got some young guys that are pretty exciting, but dang, man, like they're losing everybody. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think that there's going to be a huge difference talent-wise on the field between Michigan State and Michigan in 2022. So if you're asking for a percentage chance, it's a rivalry game. It's always going to be close to 50-50. But 
I think Michigan state's got a hell of a chance to go into Ann Arbor and beat them next year. I would put money. If I was forced to right now, I would put my money on Michigan state winning that game. I mean, as objectively as I can be right now, they're losing a ton on the defensive side. We beat them as the college football playoff version of themselves this year. We still won. We beat them last year. We all remember that situation. When these teams are close, Michigan State gets a few points in this game because of the way that they approach this game. They get four, five, seven points more than you'd expect, more than Vegas typically does expect. Going into next season with the amount that Michigan's losing on the defensive side, they're bringing back a lot of their offense. Um, But the amount they're losing on the defensive side, you look at Michigan State, our offense uh, outside of a big piece in Kenneth Walker is – in the offensive line question mark is so you got a passing game you can pretty much rely on running games question mark but nonetheless i think michigan state won this year michigan's losing a lot why not i don't i don't even think you need to go into the year thinking well michigan is the power in the state to beat and we'll have to sneak one out like i think it's pretty close and there's a lot of factors that still have to flesh out over the course of the offseason to really know what that game's going to look like Right, and we know the big house isn't really the most intimidating of places to play. So uh, last thing on, on Twitter, uh, Danny Myers, a good friend, he, he said, uh, thoughts on the infamous crypto Instagram hacker. Uh, quick story, my Instagram got hacked, my personal Instagram. And there's some guy who he changed the, like the login email and everything. So when I go to like, you know, try to, to get some information to change the password to whatever, like I can't, cause all of the, you know, those emails get sent to him now. So he's basically taking control of my Instagram and he's just posting all this stuff about like signing up for his crypto stuff. And he's like DMing all of my friends. So this is just a blanket call since I have a bunch of people that are listening to me for some reason right now. Uh, if anybody has any advice, if this has happened to anybody, please let me know. Cause I've, I've basically given up hope that I will ever be able to use my Instagram account again. So if anybody's had a similar experience, I'd, I'd love to, to get some advice on this because I've basically just, um, accepted the fact that this guy has my Instagram account now. And I can't even, the worst part is I can't even just delete the account anymore because he has total control. So <laughs> I don't know. That's just a call for help, I guess. Scott, have you gotten the DM from him? I, this is funny because it's kind of a sore point for me that I haven't like all of, <laughs> all of our mutual friends have, and he hasn't, he hasn't talked to me. So I feel like I'm like, I, that's something I should take personally. <laughs> Um, because he's like, Oh, this guy isn't a real friend. He's not going to listen to him. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Am I not worthy? Do I look like, I don't know. No, I'm checking now. And I still don't have it. And I was bummed because all of our buddies were messing with him and I never got my opportunity and I just feel really left out. So if you talk to your Instagram hacker, just let him know before he gives you your account back to have him shoot me a DM so we can mess around. <laughs> I'll make sure to do that. Um, last last couple questions heading over to Facebook here. Um, I'll tie two together really quickly. We had Nancy Fisher and James Bannon. Uh, two questions that are are similar here. 
I'm worried about our O-line next year. Any news about all the walk-on offensive linemen the staff has brought in for the for next year? And have you heard anything about the freshman standouts on the scout team this year? Uh, we've mentioned it before, like we're not quote unquote insiders, right? We don't have like, you know, ears in the building as much as we would like to. We we know some people around the 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 program, but as far as like day to day, hey, this scout team guy is really standing out. He might make an impact next year. I have no idea. I, I'm in the same boat as basically everybody. Um, you know, until we get to spring practices when media are allowed to, you know, go in and watch practices for a very limited amount of time, even then you're still not really sure, but you can at least watch the guys on the field doing drills and stuff like until then, nobody has any idea. So even your, you know, insiders, your beat writers, your guys who are reporting every day on the program, even they don't know. So just, you know, kind of remember that as we get into off season time, which is a good time to like hype up all of your favorite players. Like we're all just kind of guessing at this point. So that's just a blanket statement. Uh, last actual question from Sean Vergoven. He asks, does the three, does the, sorry, does the four, two, five work in the big 10? It's predicated on not giving up the big play or allowing the run. Um, We've kind of talked about this a few times before as a blanket, you know, kind of statement, but obviously, you know, for those who watch, for those who really pay attention, Scotty Hazleton was brought in and Mel Tucker as a defensive guy, and they're running a, a base scheme of a four, two, five defense and a cover three defense. And I think that's an important kind of combination because the four, two, five is effectively putting an extra athlete on the field. Instead of having three linebackers, you're having two linebackers and another safety or corner or what have you. So you're putting another athlete on the field, which in turn really helps you against more spread looks when the offense is bringing in more receivers, more athletes, you're able to kind of match up with that a little bit better. And the cover three defense is actually viewed, you know, from the football side as a better run defense than a pass defense. It's, it's more effective against the run. So you're kind of like trying to do this balancing act between a four, two, five, you're being better against the pass and a cover three, you're being better against the run. Um, and for two year sample size here at, at Michigan state, it was pretty decent in 2020. I, I think we kind of re- forget that pretty quickly. Um, but it, it was kind of a train wreck at times in 2021. Let's call it like it is. Um, it was more effective than I think a lot of people give it credit for. And it was less effective than others give it credit for. Right. Um, but I, I don't know, Scott, is this like a fundamental issue that needs to be changed or is this more of a personnel problem? Cause that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's it's tough to say with a small sample size. Uh, that's why my inclination is to answer this question. I I have no idea. Um, I don't know. We don't we haven't played enough Big Ten football. Same thing I said about Ronald Williams earlier. This is an eleven win defense, so in that sense, it seems to be working pretty well. Um, with room to improve the the talent that's playing within the defense, um, it worked against the run as well as you, anyone would need. I mean, sure, there's room to improve, but 
the very good run defense this season, um, just shoring up that pass. So it's hard to know. It might work. It might not. Personnel is going to improve it. It wasn't as leaky as people made it seem last year. Again, game flow consistently pushed teams to throw the ball against us, especially later in the year when it was established that you weren't going to be able to run the ball. They were throwing from the start and they were throwing a ton. It wasn't a good pass defense. It wasn't even close to a good pass defense, but it was not the worst pass defense in the country. And there was a lot of injuries that played into that as well. Um, I think my, my personal approach is one more year in the four two five, then make kind of a, a judgment on how it's going. Um, but I think we have the talent to fill the positions that we like to play and that with athletes that play the way we like to play it. So I think one or two more seasons, we're going to see the right athletes in the scheme. You know, we talk about NFL coaches taking over and instituting a new scheme and needing to go out and get their guys. It's the same in college, right? So right now we're using four, three players in a four, two, five. And again, we won 11 games this year, so I'm not going to complain too much. I mean, you look, we gave up a lot of pass yards, some games they scored more than others, but most games, the defense performed really well. Yeah. I think it's more of a personnel issue than anything. When you have this kind of defense, I think really there's, two things it comes down to that make or break it you number number one you need a pass rush with four guys you need to be able to get after the quarterback with your front four and that's just something we struggled to do a lot this year because you had two edge guys specifically um whoever it was whether it was beasley panishuk uh petrovsky Jordan, whatever group of two was out there were solid, but not dynamic pass rushers. And so when you don't have that pass rush coming off the edge, you're allowing a quarterback to sit in there and wait and find the window. And eventually someone's going to get open. Right. And there were a lot of instances this year where it was quick game stuff that, you know, teams were killing us on a, on a two second drop back and you know, no pass rush is going to get there in less than two seconds. So it's hard to blame that, but a lot of the big plays this year were a result of a quarterback having three, four, five seconds to sit back and scan the field and go to their first, second, third option. So the lack of a true pass rush and, and I like the pass rush we have from the middle, but again, you know, between Jacob Slade, Simeon Barrow, like, these are guys who I think can get after a quarterback and cause some problems up the middle, but they're not athletic enough to get home, right? They'll force the pressure and then the quarterback will be able to sidestep them or whatever. But if you don't have the defensive end, that's also right there in their face, they can sidestep the defensive tackle and, and still keep their eyes downfield and make a play because you know, your defensive tackles aren't the most athletic guys to, to be able to, to stay with a, an athletic quarterback. So you need an edge presence, first of all, to, to get a pass rush. And I, I still don't even know that if we're going to have that in 2022, we'll see. Uh, but then you need corners. You need really good corners who are able to not only play deep, but play shallow because that cover three defense, you're forcing them to take basically that entire boundary. So you're asking them to have the responsibility of being the deepest guy there. If somebody runs uh, a, a nine route down the field, 
you have to stick with them 40, 50 yards downfield. But at the same time, if they're running a two yard hitch, that's your responsibility as well. And that's a really tough spot to be in for a corner. So you need to be a really darn good player. If you're going to quote unquote, shut down your side of the field or something in a cover three, that's really tough to do. So you need good corners. You need good pass rush, especially off the edge. And like you said, with the corners, we had a lot of injuries. So I think the verdict is still out there. The pass rush, I don't think we had in 2021. And I honestly don't, looking at the roster right now, I don't think we have in 2022. So I think it's a personnel problem more than anything. But like you said, I I think it wasn't as bad as a lot of people made it out to be. You go back and look at the schedule. We played some of the top passing teams in the country. We played Western Kentucky. Bailey Zappi threw for... I think almost 6,000 yards and like 65 touchdowns this year, right? So when we look back and say, well, Western Kentucky threw the ball on us. Yeah, he set records. He set NCAA passing records. He beat Joe Burrow's passing records. Like, I think we need to kind of take a step back and put some things into perspective from this season and, and the past defense being one of them. But no, I... Like you said, I mean, it's more of a personnel thing than anything. Let's kind of wait another year. And if it's as bad as it was this year, sure, we need to we need to make some changes. But I, I think we need to give it a year. Purdue's the only game this year that really, like Ohio State with a better pass defense, sure, it wouldn't have been as ugly. But, like, we weren't ready to win that game. You have a great pass defense, and we still struggle to win that game, especially if Kenneth Walker was hurt. Um the Purdue game, it irked me. So I can't say there's, you know, it's not like they lost us any games. Well, maybe. But second year in a new scheme with a lot of new athletes and new coaches in a, what was it, four and a half point win total over under for right. the year. <laughs> and we're talking about whether a defense in an 11 and two win season, 11 and two season is good enough or if it's effective. Well, yeah, we had we held eight of thirteen opponents to twenty-one points or less. So, yeah. So uh, that's it for mailbag questions, Scott. Anything else before we get out of here? No, thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, today is national championship day, so enjoy the bully beatdown of Nick Saban ending Kirby's march to the sea. He's going to throw them in the sea. Uh, It was a fun season, but I think I have to retire that one because it was never really that funny, but I just kind of had to stick with it because I started the season with it. So, yeah. So we'll, uh, you know, in Indianapolis, I guess, which is near Lake Michigan, like uh, there's, there's something there. Um, yeah, hopefully everybody enjoys the national title game. If you're having a party, if you're just watching it on the couch, uh, by yourself, like I will be. Enjoy the title game. Uh, It'll be the last of football that we've seen for a long time. The FCS national title game. I want some money on North Dakota state go bison. Um, So I appreciate that. But yeah, last night, last uh, college football really until the spring games. So soak it up. Enjoy it. I know it's a rematch. I know it's two sec teams. I know it's not ideal as a big 10 fan, but uh, still enjoy it nonetheless. And we will see you later on this week uh, for, I think, I think it will be our last bi-weekly podcast before we switch over to, to once a week. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely let you guys know, follow us, subscribe, 
leave the reviews. Again, we've got a little contest coming up here that we'll let you guys know about that involves leaving reviews on Apple or Spotify. But if you can do it now, that would be great as well. You will still be in play for said contest. So we really appreciate it. And uh, for for listening, for supporting, and and for sharing, share it with your friends. We always appreciate that as well. So let's get out of here. Hope everybody has a good start to the week. Enjoy the national title game, and we will talk to you guys soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.